0: Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey.
1: Rattled and Shook is released weekly, every Thursday, and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to listen ad-free, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes. For more information, check out the show notes. Now, enjoy the episode.
2: And now, presenting rattled and shook.
3: I'm April, and I'm Meredith. And this is Rattled and Chook, a podcast where we tell scary stories and discuss our deepest, darkest fears, but in a fun way. Good stuff. We've got a lot to cover in this episode, so cue the first story.
1: Okay.
4: <coughs> Lubricate these pipes from voice the mic. Is rough.
1: Oh yeah, my voice is rough too. Mm. I didn't sleep much. Perfect for this story. <laughs> Back in 2015, I was a college student working at a local TV station as a videographer and editor. I had spent time at the station when very few people were around, but never completely by myself. Our general manager would sometimes tell the staff spooky stories about the TV station being haunted by a former engineer who had died after a studio light fell on him. He also claimed one early morning when he was at the station by himself That he saw a silhouette of a man standing behind him while he was in one of the edit bays with a glass window that allowed you to see into the hallway. I never looked into the facts of this story but I also dismissed it for the most part. I've always been in the middle about human spirits being around on earth but I mainly dismissed the GM's story about the station being haunted because I never felt creeped out or anything weird at the tv station when I was there and I basically lived there at this point. Still, though, I had never stayed there late into the night until May of 2015. We had just broadcasted at the local college their version of Shark Tank, and the college wanted a three to five minute highlight reel of the event to show at their morning conference. I was to stay at the TV station after the event was over and edit the three to five minute highlight video into the night until I was done. I didn't get started on the project till about 10.30 p.m. I was upstairs where our edit bays were, and I was in the one at the very front right corner of the building. In the edit bay, there was a window so that I could see into the hallway. The computer sat on the opposite side of the glass window and had three monitors attached to it. I had one of the monitors off, which meant that I could see the reflection of people passing by my edit bay behind me, plus I could hear their footsteps as they went by. The upstairs part of the station was shaped like a big rectangle. On either end of the floor were staircases that led back downstairs. There was also an elevator in the middle of the floor, but no one really used it. When I started, the janitor was still there, and so was one of the engineers. I could hear the janitor walking up and down the hall and making his rounds into the various rooms. I would see his reflection in the computer monitor that I had off, and I heard his footsteps as he passed by a few times. An hour passed, and I heard footsteps as they came around the corner, and down the hall to my edit bay. It was the engineer. He knocked and I opened the door. He told me the janitor had left for the night and he was about to leave himself. He said once he left, I would be the last one in the station. All the doors were locked, but I'd need to arm the building before I left for the night. I told him thanks and he left and I got back to work. As I worked, I didn't think much about being alone in the building. I was in editing mode. It was probably around 1230 AM, a good hour since the engineer had told me that he was leaving for the night, when I saw a reflection of a man slowly walk by my edit bay in the monitor that I had off. At first I didn't think anything of it because I was so focused. But then I suddenly remembered I was supposed to be there alone. I also hadn't heard any footsteps coming up the staircase or going by my edit bay. I also realized, though I saw the silhouette of the man, I didn't actually see any features or details about him. It was more of a fuzzy, dark shape of a man going by. I told myself, it's possible his reflection just looked weird in the monitor. The janitor or the engineer likely left something and came back. Maybe I was so focused on editing, I just hadn't heard them. So I stuck my head out the door and listened for footsteps. Nothing, complete silence. I called out, hello, nothing. I started to feel uncomfortable and a little scared, but I had a job to do. I felt that I had no choice, but to shove it out of my mind and continue to work. After a while, the lights in the hallway turned off. They were on a timer. At this point, only motion would make them kick back on. So the glass window that allowed me to see into the hallway was pitch black. Another hour or so went by since I saw the weird reflection in my monitor. I was making good progress and staying focused, when suddenly every hair on my body stood up. I froze. I suddenly had a sense of dread and the very real sensation that someone was standing behind me looking over my shoulder. Something deep within me told me, don't turn around. Don't look. You don't want to see what's there. I glanced slightly into the off monitor and saw the lights were still off in the hallway and it was pitch black, nothing to see. But then I heard a door open and shut further down the hallway. No, I said to myself, no, I did not hear that. I then heard another door on the other side of the floor open and shut. I was still frozen, looking ahead at my computer, unable and unwilling to move. That's when I hear the elevator door open and shut. Finally, it got quiet. I didn't feel the sensation of someone standing behind me anymore, and I took a deep breath. But my night wasn't over. I then started to hear the sound of footsteps towards the back of the floor by the back staircase, come around the corner and down the hall toward my edit bay. But despite what I was hearing, the lights weren't being triggered in the hallway. Before the steps got to my edit bay, They turned down the hallway, and the pace changed, as though someone started walking very fast, almost jogging. They kept going in the rectangle shape of the floor plan, around and around. I heard a door slam, and then another and another, as the footsteps kept running up and down the hallways. You might be wondering what I'm doing during this time, and the truth is, I think I was in shock. I honestly couldn't believe this was happening. I mean, it couldn't be happening, but, Here I am, experiencing something I really couldn't explain. Was I in a dream? Is this what happens when you're sleep deprived? I just sat in fear, paralyzed by it, trying to make some sense of what was going on. Suddenly, that same sensation washed over me. Someone standing behind me, looking through the glass window from outside in the hallway. Without thinking, I yelled out, okay, stop, just stop. You probably don't want me here, I get it, but I'm almost done. If you stop and let me finish, I'll be out of here and I'll leave you alone very soon. Just stop so I can finish. Believe it or not, it all stopped. The fast paced footsteps, the doors opening and shutting, and the sensation that someone was behind me stopped. Within an hour, I was done. I busted the last part of that highlight video out so quickly I know it sounds crazy that I stayed after all that and got my work done, but I really needed that job and I didn't think it would sound great to tell my general manager and our clients I didn't get the highlight video done because a ghost was terrorizing me. When I stepped out of the edit bay, it was eerily quiet. The lights in the hallway kicked on because of me moving and I saw nothing and heard nothing. I practically flew down the steps to the front lobby. I wasn't sure if I was ever going to tell anyone about what happened that night. Would anyone even believe me? The next day at the conference, my main producer on the production crew asked me how everything went last night. I responded with, has anything weird ever happened to you at the TV station? His eyes got big and he said, you heard something, didn't you? I asked what he meant by that. And he explained that there has been many times at the station when he's upstairs in the office, that he hears footsteps come down the hallway towards him, but they always stop before they get to his doorway. I later talked to the engineer that was there with me and asked him the same question. Without further explanation or hesitation, he said, Oh, this place is haunted by something. I just tell it, I hear you, but leave me alone. And it does. A year and a half after all that happened, I moved away and started a new job. I never had anything weird happen to me again. But I also never stayed in the TV station by myself ever again. Day or night. When I read this story, I was like, this is going to hit for both April and I. Something about editing by yourself at night. Something about having like headphones on your ears and being really sucked in to your own experience that just like, oof, Mm -hmm. it leaves you vulnerable.
3: Yeah. Normally editing horror based or scarier stuff does not get to me, but there's been like once or twice where I've been editing something and it just like happens really suddenly where I'm like, oh, no. Wait, no. What's happening?
1: I don't like this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So this story was sent in by Brittany. Thanks, Brittany. Thanks, Brittany.
3: I'm very impressed by your commitment to getting that piece done.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, I think when I was reading the story, I was like, would I have left? But the thing with stuff like this is that I would then be also too scared to leave. Mm -hmm. Like the leaving feels like a trap in and of itself. It's like, stay where you are. I think I probably would have called someone and been like, you need to come over here.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. My usual response is run. But... I get the feeling of just kind of being frozen and we've kind of discussed this where it's like you don't want to make sudden movements, even like with a real person, because you're afraid it's going to escalate the situation. Yeah. Any change could make you more vulnerable, possibly,
1: you know? Yeah. The closest experiences I have to this story is working in a co-working space Mm -hmm. in Atlanta and it was just fishbowl throughout, you know, like glass um, offices, like no solid walls basically and uh, lots of timers for lights. So if I was staying there late, then like one by one, all the lights would turn off, you know, on the floor. So then you get that kind of like glass through glass through glass reflection situation. It kind of starts having a mirror effect.
3: Yikes. Yeah. The idea of like the lights turning off one by one, that's a horror movie scenario.
1: Oh, yeah. There was actually kind of creaky floors, too, because it was in a re- uh, reclaimed building. Like it was in a mm. old factory. Wow. Um. Yeah, I know. Anything glass, like a window
3: at night, especially, I would just expect to look out and see like a face looking at me through it. You mm-hmm. know, I would just feel very exposed.
1: The idea of not seeing something out there is what freaks me out. Like not being able to see someone looking in. Mm hmm. Also, I have to say regarding the story,
3: would it be a good motivator to have a ghost who's like got you on a timer, you know, where you're like, I'll wrap up soon, just stop? <laughs>
1: yeah, the general manager's just allowing
3: it. Productivity's gone up 300% with this ghost. Yeah, maybe it's just all a gag. He has like a little
1: soundtrack of footsteps playing. Mm-hmm. Clever. Yeah.
6: This next
3: story will make you do a double take.
5: This has been going on for like 15, 16 years. My family, with the exception of my father, all believe our house to be heavily haunted. It's an old Southern farmhouse with quite the history, plenty of deaths, plenty of suspicious activities, survive the Civil War, family house passed down generation to generation, you know the drill by now. This particular activity is nothing new, but it never fails to disturb or perplex. Ever since I was like six or so years old, people have seen me around the house in odd places or at odd times even though I'm actually somewhere else entirely, or not home at all. On top of that, the me that they see never looks at them or acknowledges them. I think the first time was my older sister insisting she saw me standing in the hallway in the middle of the night when she got up to use the restroom, despite the fact that I was tucked away into my parents' bed after a nightmare. She said I wouldn't answer her, and when she came back out from the bathroom, I was gone. Friends who spent the night would see me walking through the kitchen, only to sit up and see that I was still fast asleep beside them on the couch. My father, who doesn't believe in the paranormal at all, even insists he once was speaking to me while I was sitting on the couch, and I wouldn't even look at him. Apparently, I just stood up and walked away without acknowledging him. I wasn't even home when this happened. It still happens to this day, and I'm not sure if this is something that could be connected to the property, or if it's something to do with me.
1: Doppelgangers actually scare the crap out of me. I mean, I think there would be nothing scarier than seeing yourself. (laughs) Like, Exactly. I mean, I just watched the movie Ghost, like, you know, the Patrick Swayze (laughs) Demi Moore movie. (laughs) Uh But there's like when they become ghosts in that movie, they peel out of their bodies. Basically, it's like a very 80s idea of what a ghost (laughs) looks like. But they like peel out of their bodies. Then they look back and see themselves. And they're always like shocked. That they can see themselves, yeah. And I think there would be some moment of like, if you saw yourself, what? You, what? <laughs> I was going to ask you that actually. Like, what would you do if you saw yourself? I mean, I think I would. I think I would think, all right, someone's like pulling a trick on me with like prosthetics. <laughs> um, then I would think maybe I'd be like, am I asleep? Yeah, you know, am I <laughs> asleep? And then I would be like, okay, I've had a mental break. Hmm. especially if I couldn't verify that anyone else could see me. But that's why this story is weird, because other people can see her. Yeah. That's what makes me think it's a it's an issue with um her mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is her, but she can't remember being in those places or doing those things.
3: But weren't there moments in that story where it was like, how did you get there? You were just here. I, I feel like it doesn't seem physical. There was the one with like
1: friends sleeping over. Yeah. I don't know. I guess there's part of me that's like, you could explain that away. You know, that's what I would think the logical like if there was a non supernatural explanation, it sounds like it would be some sort of mental
3: like she's blacking out.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I would think if it was going on for 15 years, 15, 16 years, might this have come up if it were a mental
1: issue. Wait, 15 or 16 years. Is that what the story said? Yeah. I didn't internalize that part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's weird. You have to consider all the facts. Okay. Ghost. All right. I tried my best. I guess it's ghost. It's ghost. (laughs) I tried. I tried, everyone. It's ghost. Let's tune in to another
2: story. I used to work in a long-term care home in Ontario, Canada. I got this job just after high school. One weekend, I came in for my shift. I usually would collect the staffing schedule that day from the in-charge nurse at the start of my shift at 9 a.m. I would get off the elevator and make my way toward the nursing station, down the hall and around two corners. As I walked past the dining room, I noticed that the lights were off and the door was shut, which is normal. Breakfast is always over by 8.45 a.m. However, Inside of the room was one of our second-floor residents I recognized. She is always very friendly and delightful. Her name was Ellen. She was sitting in her large wheelchair in her usual spot in the dining room. I was extremely concerned and confused seeing her inside of the room and knowing she might have been in there for at least the last 15 minutes. I opened the dining room door flicked on the lights and walked over to Ellen and, in my usual friendly manner, said, Hey Ellen, how are you doing today? Are you staying for dessert? No response or movement from Ellen. I try again a little louder. Hey Ellen, is everything okay? Again, no response. I began to think, has her hearing gone down? Maybe something had changed with her health in the last week and I'm just not aware of it. I then placed my face directly in front of her face, about 12 inches so our eyes would line up. I could see she was awake and alert. I slightly waved my hand in front of her. Maybe I'm a little bit blurry to her. I repeat myself for the third and final time Hey, Ellen, you okay? She blinks, but says nothing. I decided I would go and find the nurse and advise her of Ellen. I left the dining room door open and the lights flicked on. I rounded the corner to find the in-charge nurse. She immediately started talking about the staffing issues and shortages for the day, and I brought up Ellen being left in the dining room, how I was extremely concerned. The nurse kind of brushed off what I said and started to walk with me towards the dining room. She even at one point said in passing, sorry, you said it was Ellen in the dining room? As we approached the door to the dining room, I see that the door is now closed and the lights are turned off. Ellen is nowhere to be found. After looking inside for a moment, the nurse tries to gather my attention. She says, well, I don't think you saw Ellen. She passed away late last night and the coroner is on their way to pick up the body as we speak. Immediately, I got cold. I know this resident. I speak to her every single weekend. I know what she looks like, her style of clothing, the wheelchair she sits in, everything. That was Ellen. The nurse could see the color draining from my face and said, would you like to say goodbye to her? Her body is still here in her room. Now, I usually pay respects to the residents, especially the ones that we had close relationships with. I would go as far to say Ellen and I were close. She was a lovely lady, and I really enjoyed our conversations. I started to walk towards her room. I felt I needed to see her with my own two eyes. As I entered the room, I saw Ellen lying on the bed peacefully as if she were asleep. I immediately left the room. The nurse could tell I was very disturbed. I didn't say anything to anyone else throughout the rest of the day. I started thinking to myself, maybe I did mix her up with somebody else. Maybe I was just tired and didn't have my morning coffee or maybe this was all just something I imagined but I know who I saw sitting there in the dining room. She looked directly at me, and I know it was Ellen, 100%. My boyfriend even told me, maybe it was just her way of saying goodbye to you.
3: kind of sweet of Ellen to want to say goodbye but honestly i'm okay if you just want to dip and speaking of dipping
0: want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start greenlight can help with greenlight parents can keep an eye on kids spending and saving while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence as a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey.
3: So Meredith and I have been talking about our childhood traumas as per usual. And we realized we've been messed up by some stuff we saw on TV as kids. So I have a question. Okay. What cartoon or kids show had, you know, an episode or a scene that like scarred you?
1: Yeah. Um, the thing that sticks out to me about Arthur, do you remember the Jacqueline Hyde episode? I don't remember a ton of Arthur. I just remember I was a fan. <sighs> what was the name of that character? I, I mean, I'm pulling up a graph. The brain, he goes by the brain, but there is an episode where they do—I think it's a Halloween episode—and they talk about Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. And there's this song that's like Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde, Jekyll, Hyde, Hyde, Jekyll, and it's—it's it's in my head all the time. Wait, I'm gonna play it. Alan, the brain powers Alan. Okay, so it's his song. Oh, oh, oh I found it on YouTube.
3: anyway. That's very catchy. That stays in my head a lot. Um, That was some grotesque animation for Arthur, I feel like. Yeah, it's pretty The transformation.
1: Gnarly. Yeah, scared me as a kid. Yeah, tell me what stuck out to you. I think there was a Rugrats episode
3: that freaked me out actually. So you never watched it? I never watched Rugrats. You should go back and watch it. That would be really weird to go back and watch. Yeah. <laughs> but there was an episode that freaked me out and They were doing a play on like, I think it's Fantastic Voyage where they shrink themselves and travel inside of a man's body Mm -hmm. uh, to like, I don't know, perform surgery or fix something or whatever. But in the show, Chucky swallows a watermelon seed and they have to shrink themselves and go inside of him to get the watermelon seed before it grows into a watermelon inside Ah. of his body. And that freaked me out so much and I was afraid of... Swallowing
1: a watermelon seed after that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's like common childhood lore for sure. Mm-hmm. Who started that? Some asshole. Truly, like <laughs> the root of those urban legends, really fascinating
3: to me. Mm-hmm. Or what about just something that was like weirdly scary to you in any movie or TV show? So when I was younger, we watched the movie Hook with Robin Williams <laughs> as Peter Pan. Mm hmm. <laughs> mm mm-hmm. Um. And there's a scene where Maggie Smith, who plays elder Wendy, obviously. Maggie Smith did that? Maggie Smith was I Wendy. Forgot. Yeah, she tries to tell Robin Williams, you know, who he really is, that he's forgotten that he is Peter Pan. Peter, don't you know who you are? And so she opens this book and shows him this picture of Peter Pan I think it was the sound that got to me. It's kind of like an unholy chorus sounding thing. It's a really odd one. It is odd, but it freaked me out every time, and we could not. We had to fast forward through that scene, whenever we watched it, because mm. like the first time I watched it, I like ran out of the room
1: screaming. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. What about you? The thing that comes to mind immediately is the first Lord of the Rings. Hmm. And I know it informed me sleeping on my stomach with my covers over my head. Oh. Um which I did for a very long time. Frodo and the Hobbits. This is like when Frodo and Sam and Merry and Pippin like first leave the Shire and they get chased by Ringwraiths and they go to this inn and you assume that they're in their beds and then it cuts to like the Ringwraiths finding the inn and taking these huge scythes and then there's a shot where they like Take a scythe down on the bed, and all you see is like the bed with the scythe going through it, and then it cuts to how they're not in the bed mm-hmm. later. It really stuck with me, and I just would have nightmares of like a big, gigantic, man on a horse with a scythe mm-hmm. cutting through my bed. And for some reason, like flipping over my stomach would solve the problem. Yeah, I don't really get it, but well, anyway,
3: we do things to uh, feel safer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I that. mean, that's why people don't let their arms or legs hang over the edge of the bed
1: a lot of the time yeah it's just like you're inviting it yeah I get it I guess it's because I watch them so young yeah have you seen them yeah oh yeah yeah (laughs) okay good you're speaking my language multiple times Legolas yeah oh yeah, I was a legless girl for a long time <laughs> until I, I became an Aragorn girl. Yes! You get older, you become an Aragorn. <laughs> yeah, you're girl. like, oh wait, why did I? <laughs> yeah. It's Vigo Mortensen all the way. Uh-huh. Why is it that when you're younger, you're like Orlando Bloom is legless is it, and then mm-hmm. when you're older, you're like ugh, side character? What, what were we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Let's cut on this. Good stuff. Lots of hot takes.
3: All right, so irrational fears, we have so many, and they are equally terrifying and also very relatable. So here's one. It's time to pay the price, writes. Both my husband and I are terrified of dying in really embarrassing ways. Like, oh, she tripped and was impaled by a fence post, or he was eating too fast while watching YouTube videos and choked on a massive handful of popcorn. We actually bonded over this when we first met, and still joke about it today after being together for almost eight years. Aw, that's cute. Did you ever hear the story about the man who farted himself to death? The fumes. Is this a true story? The gases. I don't think so. This is not a true story. Yeah, but I've thought about that before. Somewhat related. Have you ever thought about what's going on your tombstone?
1: Okay, that's a more interesting conversation. I Let's guess so. Let's talk about that. What's going on your tombstone?
3: I should have done this six months ago.
1: Um, That's so funny. <laughs> that's so funny. Wow. That's great. Thank you. I'm really proud of it. You should <laughs> do that. You should definitely do that. That's like my one request. It's funny that you say that because I feel like mine would also be time oriented. Yeah, I need to think. I need to think about what would be on my tombstone if I had some sort of like meta-acknowledgment of myself, <laughs> of my being and my flaws. Um, but <laughs> I think that's a great question. Does anyone know what would be on their tombstone? Let's hear it. Yeah. Do you have it picked out? Write in with your tombstone inscriptions. Look forward to hearing them. Can't wait to hear. Bye. Bye. Rattled and Shook is a Tenderfoot TV production in partnership with Odyssey. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsey. Co-executive producer is Meredith Stedman. Hosted and produced by April Ruha and Meredith Stedman. Lead editor and sound designer is April Ruha. Additional production by Sean Nerney. Production management by Tracy Kaplan and Jordan Foxworthy. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Original art by Puppy Teeth. Follow us on social media at Rattled and Shook.